I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you for the opportunity to come and to hear from the Spirit of God, from the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you will use me as an oracle of God to speak life into the lives of every person that's here. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's resident inside of each one of us will speak through me, will move us, And I pray that we will hear his voice so clearly that we'll know what to do in every major decision of our lives. And so I've decreased now and I ask that you increase. And as I step back, I ask you to step forward. And I thank you for redeeming the time so that we all can know exactly what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Today I'm completing a message that accidentally became a mini-series. And through my study, I believe I've uncovered one of Satan's major weapons that he uses to defeat the average believer. And so I just want to jump right into our lesson this morning so that we can get God's perspective on the title which is overcoming persecution, and we're, this is part three. So overcoming persecution, part three. And I want to encourage you to take notes because today we're going to focus on God's perspective on overcoming persecution. And for those of you who may be new or joining us for the first time, I'm just going to do a very, very minor review, and then we're going to jump into this morning's lesson. If you would, find John chapter 15, verses 20, and then I want you to find Acts chapter 14, verses 2. That was John chapter 15 verses 20. And then I want you to find Acts chapter 14 verses 1. And what we've done so far is we destroyed a myth regarding persecution, which is if I live right and I do right most of the time, I won't experience persecution or difficulty in my life. And that's just not true. And so we define persecution as to make one run, something that will cause you to flee or be put to flight. It means to be harassed, to trouble, or to accuse. It also means, watch this, uh, anything that will stop a person who is striving toward a spiritual goal. So we really had to broaden our perspective and understanding of what persecution was because most of us thought persecution was somebody just talking about us. When it's really bigger than that, it's really anything that will cause you to stop striving toward a spiritual goal. So if the devil knows that that uh, you constantly being threatened to be laid off on your job is going to cause you to stop trusting God with your finances, he's going to always put that before you. Amen. 
And so in John chapter 15, verse 20, this was a verse that we read and it was the foundation of our series here. It says, remember the word that I said unto you. And this was Jesus talking. He says, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, if they have troubled me as I achieve my spiritual purpose, he says, then they will also persecute who? You. Everybody say persecution. Is a part of the Christian life. Now in 2 Timothy 3.12. You don't have to turn there. Paul said. Yes. And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Shall suffer persecution. So the moment you signed up to be a believer. Is the moment persecution started. Listen. On the God side. Because we were being persecuted on the devil side. We just didn't realize it. I think sometimes as believers. We get spiritual uh, Alzheimer's when we get saved. We forget how bad it really was when we weren't saved. Amen. So the first point that we made was persecution has a purpose. And really the, the purpose of it is to steal the word that you heard so that it won't take root and bear some fruit. And so the purpose of persecution really is to take the word of God from out of our heart. And then point two was persecution has a process. And we talked about what that process was. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to point out was this. Persecution starts on the outside with the goal of working its way on the inside because it's designed to make us focus on what's happening to us instead of what's happening for us. Amen. And so now we're going to look at uh, uh, some side effects that persecution is or has. And uh, side effects basically are things that we experience after something happens to us. And, uh, you know, many of us have taken medication before and medication have side effects. You know, the side effects, have you ever read them on TV? You know, if you take this drug, you know, it might kill you and you might slip into a coma for 50 years and your hair may fall out in 24 seconds. And, and some of those side effects, I'm like, man, no wonder they read them so fast. I'm not going to take that stuff. So we started looking at some side effects of persecution. One of them was deception. We looked at that one last week. The other one was offense. We looked at that one. That was about John the Baptist. Number three was one it's, it was stir up mess. That's what persecution does. And so this morning I want to start with the fourth uh, side effect, which is to, the transfer of wrong perceptions. What persecution does, when a person is persecuted, the, one of the goals of the persecution is to transfer a wrong perception in your mind about something. Now, go to Acts chapter 14. That's where I ask you to go. Acts 14. And we're going to start in verse 1. Let's see this principle of persecution operating in the life of Paul. He says in verse 1, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, they what? Believe. Man, they went into church, and the religious people and the unsaved began to believe in the message of Jesus Christ. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews did what? Come on, class. Stirred up the Gentiles. Now watch this now. Let's see how they stirred them up. Because you can stir somebody up for good or you can stir them up for bad. You know, Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that has been imparted to you. So you can stir up good and you stir up bad. Well, they stirred, stirred up bad because notice it says, and they made their minds evil affected against the brethren. In other words, a transfer of wrong perception took place through persecution. 
And so when you are experiencing persecution, don't allow wrong perceptions to be transferred in your mind. Because if you do, you won't be able to overcome the persecution. You say, well, what do you mean by that? If you have the wrong perception about who God is in your life, you will allow the devil to deceive you of what God has not been doing in your life. I mean, Eve was fine until the devil came to persecute her. And because of the persecution, she became deceived. And because of her deception, she received a wrong perception that God really doesn't love me. Because if he did, I would already be like him, which she already was. Everybody say wrong perceptions. All right. Now, let's go now to uh, Acts chapter 14. And then we're going to drop down to verse 19. Here's the last uh, side effect, and then I'm going to jump into the, the main reason why I wanted to spend time here this morning. Uh, the, the fourth, or the, yes, it's the fourth side, is this the fifth side effect? The fifth side effect is the killing of spiritual influence in a person's life. The killing of spiritual influence in a person's life. In other words, sometimes if you don't watch persecution, the purpose of it is to kill the, uh, a person's spiritual influence in your life. And that's why it's so prevalent for people to talk about pastors. Because a pastor's job is to lead the sheep beside still water. And so, and then the Bible says, lead them beside, you know, they, they, they eat among the green grass. Well, see, he doesn't, the devil does not want you to have a right connection to a pastor because a pastor's job is to help, the Bible says, to help you to uh, be... Uh, uh, Ephesians 4 it says uh, that for the perfecting of the saints to do work, the work of ministry well the fivefold ministry is one of the main key people to help perfect you and so if the devil can get you messed up in your head about a pastor then guess what will happen the killing of that person's spiritual influence in your life will influence you well let's see what happened in Acts chapter 4 look at verse 19 and there came there Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul. So watch this. They persuaded the people to stone Paul and drew him out of the city, supposing he had been what? Listen. Now, even though that was a physical debt, Paul was the spiritual person that God was using to bring salvation to the Gentiles and bring some some salvation to the Jews. But see, they were trying to physically kill him. I just look at it from a spiritual sense. Sometimes the devil will try to kill the spiritual influence that I may have in your life or somebody else may have in your life that's important or, or help you grow spiritually. He, he just wants to kill it because if he kills it, he kills you. I have not met so many Christians today who are just... They're just, their minds are just messed up because maybe they experienced something over here, uh, at, uh, you know, uh, they, they had a bad taste in their mouth from one church. And so instead of just chalking that up as a bad experience and then moving on, they get stuck right over here. You know, I, I appreciate it. And I don't know if this brother's here, but uh, we had someone and they were visiting us. And I, I love this brother. He came up to me one Sunday after church and he, he looked at me and says, what if I don't want a church? I mean, just like that. And I just started praying right there. I said, Lord, I don't know what to say to him. Please give me some wisdom. He said, I said, so I, I bought myself some time. I said, what'd you say? 
Because I'm waiting on God to speak. I don't know what to say to him. And he says, what if I don't want a church? And he was a big fella too, you know. And the Lord says, tell him, well, what if a church wants you? And right there, just from that being said, I said, why do you say that? He said, well, I had a bad experience at this church over here. And so that's why I feel that way. I said, let me ask you a question. You ever had a bad situation on a job? He says, yeah. I said, what'd you do? He says, I changed jobs. I said, but you didn't stop working, did you? I said, so why would you now stop going to church just because you had an experience that was bad over here? And then you know what he said to me? I love this church. (laughs) Amen. Don't let the devil transfer or kill the spiritual influence that someone should have in your life. Amen. Now, let's look at point number three, which is the promise for persecution. The promise for persecution. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time here today. The promise for persecution because persecution makes us look at what we're going through instead of looking at what we're going to. We must learn how to respond to it. So here's the first principle. I'm going to give you about six or seven of them, hopefully. And here's the first one. I want you to write this down because I need you to get this. In order to overcome persecution, you must guard your heart from the start. You must guard your heart from the start. What was number one? Come on, future rappers. Let's try it again. Guard your heart from the start. In other words, you want to guard your heart from offense and from transferring wrong perceptions and from people stirring you up. Stirring you up because sometimes people stirring you up is just to stir you up. Now write down Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. It says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. So you have to guard your heart because your heart, out of it is what comes life. And so you have to guard your heart from from what persecution could or could not do for you. You know, I, I mean, I experienced something this past week. I was at my pastor's, uh, We, my wife and I were the spouse uh uh, pastors and spouse conference this week with with our pastor Bishop Avi Hilliard, and uh, he the first night he spoke on um, it was it, it rolled into offense, but that was pretty much the key message. It was about forgiving, but the key in that was offense. And so you know he preached on it, and at the time I didn't have no offense. I'm, I'm trying to I'm you know, sorting my life, just like I expect you all as I'm talking to be thinking through your life and I'm thinking through my life and I can't think of nothing right now, you know. And and so the the next to the last night, they put mics out for questioning. And uh, this guy comes up and he's asking a question, but it's taking a long time. And he's really, I'm waiting on the question. He's describing the situation and he's talking about something going on in his life and his family and his daughter. And he's a pastor. Then all of a sudden he asked a question and I could tell he came up here just for the, the latter part. He just automatically stopped talking about this and said, well, I want to know about this. And it had nothing to do with my pastor. And he was really being nosy. I got offended. I wanted to stand up at the other mic and shut him down. As a matter of fact, I put on my Jordan. I had a hoodie on and a hat and some boots the next day because I was looking for him to check him. 
How many know I flunked that test? Flunked the test? I'm like, I'm at the pastor's conference flunking a test. And you know, I, I mean, and, and I told my pastor, uh, I said, you know, I said, the only reason I didn't stand up and shut him down because I didn't want to embarrass you. That's what I told him. But then I had to look and go, you know what? If, it, if whatever you do doesn't have love in it, I don't care how much Bible you can. It ain't no good. If it doesn't have love, you shouldn't even do it. How many of you know that had no love in it at all? I mean, I was loving to punch him, but there was no love in that. Amen. So you got to guard your heart from the start. Here's number two. You must remove the mess from your nest. Remove the mess from your nest. Go to Proverbs chapter 22. Well, I want you to hear me this morning. Well, uh oh. We got some moaners over there. <laughs> Y'all need to stop. Proverbs chapter 22. You must remove the mess from your nest. Remember now, we, one of the principles was uh, persecution will cause people to stir up mess. Proverbs 22, look at verse 10. Read it with me. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yes, strife and reproach shall cease. He says, cast out the scorner. Don't let people who are stirring up mess stay in your nest. When you, let me tell you who, let me tell you who are people who are messy. All they have time to do is talk about other people. And even if some of it might be true, which in most cases is not, they just are trying to spew on you. So don't let them stay in your nest. Kick them out. It says cast the scorner out. That's something you have to do. You praying, Lord, I don't, I'm tired of her saying, no, shut her down. She come to your desk every morning complaining about your boss. Shut her down. Y'all, we working with overtime around here. They don't seem like they appreciate enough. Shut them down. Come on. Have you ever parked under a tree in your car and you came out and it was full of bird poop? Well, when you let them stay in your nest, it ain't number. Man, you coming out, you got bird poop all over you. People looking at you like, huh? Everybody say, remove the mess from your nest. Here's number three. Being rooted is the remedy. I'm talking about how to overcome persecution. You have to be rooted because being rooted is the remedy. Now in Mark chapter 4, go there quickly. Go to Mark chapter 4. We read this verse, but I want to show you something here in this verse because I'm going to need this verse again. Mark chapter 4. Being rooted is the remedy because the word is what causes us to bear fruit. Uh, Mark chapter 4, are you there? Say, I'm there. Look now in verse 17. Verse 17. He says, well, look at verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a while. Afterwards, when affliction, or what class? 
There we go. Persecution arises for what? The word's sake. Now, see that word fruit? Uh, look in verse... Uh, let me see here. Uh, look in verse 19. It says, And the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, enter in, they choke the word, and it becomes what? Unfruitful. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, as they hear the word, and receive it, and they bring forth what? Fruit. See that word fruit? That word fruit. Go to Mark chapter 4. Uh, jump down to verse 20. And see that word increase? It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit 30, 60, and what? Notice increase came as a result of the word sitting in the heart. And so if he can get us, if he can get our hearts contaminated, he can get the word from producing fruit. Here's the next one. Being blessed always follows a test. Being blessed always follows a test. Now go to Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark 10. Being blessed always follows a test. See, I want to really get your, I want to change your mind about when you experience some trouble. Because if I can get you to think right before the trouble comes, when the trouble comes, you'll not only troop through it, you will look for the reward at the end. Because see, I'm going to show you here, many people don't have the hundredfold in their life because they can't handle the persecution that comes with it. Look at this now. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start now in verse 30. Uh, let me start in verse 27 just so we can get the context. And Jesus, looking upon them, he says, With men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, read it with me, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Peter, Jesus, we have left what? Come on, class. He said, we've left all to follow you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he or she shall receive what class? A hundredfold win. Win? Not when you get to heaven. We should be experiencing hundredfold now. He says you will receive a hundredfold now, but watch the catch. Watch the catch. He says you'll receive a hundredfold houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. But read these next two words. Come on, read it together. With persecutions. So here's how God operates. If he knows you won't be able to handle the persecution, then guess what? The hundredfold can't come. Because God's not going to allow you to experience something or to be suffered above how you can be tempted. In other words, if your temptation taking level is only 50%, then you'll only receive 50% persecution. But he says, you know what? They can handle it. They can handle it. Oh, may I talk, talk about you, Miss Lisa Fuller, for a second here? Can I do it? Yeah, I, yeah. She's saying, no, don't do it, don't do it. She said, I'm going to do it anyway. Here's the situation. Y'all remember Lisa Fuller had an accident and uh, they totaled her car. Well, she was driving a Mercedes anyway. Been driving one since I've known her. 
Okay? So, uh, and you know, I believe church staff ought to be blessed. And so uh, they totaled the car. (laughs) Yeah. That was Mr. Hyundai over there waiting for his Mercedes. <laughs> it's a nice Hyundai, though. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. Okay, so uh, Lisa gets an upgrade. She's been driving, you know, C-classes for years, and so she steps up to an E-class. So I tell her to send me a picture of it, right? So... Nice, black, clean E-class. So I come to church and I'm looking for her car. And I notice there's this black or blue Volkswagen over there. I said, where your car at? One of her friends was hating on her for buying a Mercedes. So she didn't want no more persecution. So she didn't drive it to church. Don't y'all be on, because y'all do the same thing. Some of y'all don't even drive your car to work, because you don't want them to know you got a good car like that. She had a friend that was close to her, that should have been happy for her, but wasn't. And sometimes that happens. But if you don't have enough skin that's thick enough and you can't handle the persecution, let me ask you a question. Would you put your child in a situation that they could, they didn't have the maturity to get out of? Well, why wouldn't God do that? God's not going to do that either. He's not going to put you in a situation that you don't have the faith to get out of. And so guess what? He wants to mature us and build us up so that when the time comes, we can look persecution in the face and say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Hot dog, I'm out of time. So let me give you the last one quickly here. Actually, there's really a whole lot. I'm just going to run through these real quick, real fast. You got to pray for your persecutors. Jesus said in Matthew 5:44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Romans 12, 14 says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Pray for them. And I didn't say pray about them. There's a difference between praying about somebody and praying for somebody. When you pray about somebody, this is what it sounds like. Lord, you know they hating on me. And you know they, they ain't doing me right. And you know they're talking about me. And you know they're trying to conspire and trying to get... No, 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 no. Pray for somebody is saying, God, I'm asking you to bless them. Encourage them, strengthen them. Father, show them your purpose for their life. That's praying for someone. Here's the next one. Have the right mind all the time. 
When you're going through persecution, you have to have the right mind all the time. Second Corinthians 4 9 says this. Paul said, I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Philippians 1 28 says, and in nothing be terrified by your adversaries. Watch this. I love the message translation of that verse. It says, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before opposition. Your courage and unity will show them that they are up against and they will be defeated. And victory will be for you. You have to have the right mind. Here's the next one. You must shake the dust so it leaves no rust. In fact, you can just stop right there for a second because I'm going to just sit on this one for just a minute. I know. Because that one sounded so good. I wanted to close right there. Shake the dust so it leaves no rust. In Acts chapter 13, just turn over there. I might as well, I'm out of time anyway. Acts 13. See, I, I want y'all to get this because I believe there's another level of prosperity coming in your life. And if God don't, if he knows that you won't be able to handle it, here it is, you get this new car and you just, you know, you just, gas prices go up. That's persecution for you. Well, if the God that bless you with the car can bless you with the car, the God of the car can bless you with gas to go to the car. Watch this now. You must shake the dust so it leaves no rust. In Acts chapter 13, look at verse 50. It says, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women. We read this one earlier. And the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of the coast. Verse 51 is the focus. But they shook the dust off of their feet against them. And they came into where? Iconium. Man, sometimes you just got to shake the dust. When I lived in Ohio, I had a Nova that my parents bought me. Well, it was their Nova and they handed it down to me. It was a 1974 Chevy Nova. And uh, man, I loved that Nova, man. And that Nova took me all the way through college. And one of the things when I graduated, I moved to Ohio... And in Ohio, it, it snowed a lot. Well, they don't snow that much here. And then when it snowed there, they used salt to put on the road to make the, the snow melt. But I didn't realize that. So right after it was snow, I would see people outside in the freezing cold at the car wash, washing their car. I'm like, these people love their car. Because I ain't getting out there. It's too cold. Well, guess what happened? That old Nova started rusting. And it rusted and rusted. It's because I didn't shake off the dust. And when things are going on and you start seeing people and they change colors on you. I'll be like, what's wrong with you? Don't worry about it. You get around family members at that family reunion, they start talking about you. Oh, you think you better than we are now? Oh, you too saved now? You don't want no drink? You used to smoke? You... Now don't kick them, you just... You got to shake the dust so it leaves no rust. Here's the last one. You got to remember when you're encountering persecution, we always win in the end. 
Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 11, he says, Persecutions and afflictions which came to me. He says, And I endured them, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. If he can deliver Daniel from a lion's den, he can deliver you. If he can deliver Paul from being stoned, he can deliver you. If he can deliver Pastor Evan out of darkness and into light, he can deliver you. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can tell you this right now. The same God that saved you can save you again. There are some people here, you're thinking about filing bankruptcy. I'm saying to you, he can save you from doing that. Every head bowing, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning. And you need salvation.